Welcome to the Different Functional Podcast. In today's episode, we are going to be talking all about boundary setting and most importantly, how to set those boundaries in healthy, assertive ways. I am Autumn, the older sister, and my fact of the day is that I tend to not set boundaries very healthily or very assertively at all. I actually tend to be a passive aggressive boundary setter. I use my behaviors and my intelligence to intimidate other people and keep them at bay. But unfortunately, it also means that I have very, very few friends and very, very few chances to actually interact with any other humans because I scared them all away with my big brain and my scary face. While I would describe your brain as big, I would not describe your face as scary. I am Ivy, the younger sister, and my fact of the day when it comes to boundaries is that I've actually set quite a few boundaries in my life. I've gotten relatively good at it, but the one thing I still struggle with in boundary setting is after setting a boundary, I get pretty rigid. It's very hard for me once a boundary is set for me to have flexibility and be able to change it or alter it over time. So that's like my biggest struggle with boundary setting is being able to allow for circumstances and people and stuff to change. I am so on board with rigid thinking like you don't even know. So if ever we set a boundary together, that will be how it is forever because of my natural rigid thinking and your rigid thinking about boundaries. (laughs) So both of our facts of the day do provide examples, though, of how setting boundaries really is a journey. You know, we talk about the healing journey. Well, I think there's a boundaries journey as well. And we're each in different areas of that journey and what those boundaries look like are very different at different times of our lives. And one of the reasons we're talking about boundaries this time of year specifically is because we are running into those holiday seasons, those Thanksgiving and those Christmas and all of those family members and those social obligations are really coming up right now. This is a really great time to start thinking about those boundaries. For those of you like me who suck at it and would like to start getting into boundary setting so that you can be more healthy and assertive and have those healthy relationships. And also for people like Ivy who are further along on their journey and maybe just need some reminders and some tips to help them navigate this more difficult time frame when it comes to boundary setting. Where I really want to start out with today is what boundaries really are. Because I feel like we talk so much about, oh, you got to set a boundary and boundary, boundary, boundary. But I don't feel like that many people define them. And it's really hard for me When somebody just comes up with an abstract concept like boundary or respect, I want to know what that means so that I can understand it because it's not something I can do in my life if I don't have the capability of understanding it. And so I'm actually going to throw this over to Ivy because even though she may not be at the full achievement gold platinum level or whatever of boundary assertiveness, she is definitely a lot further along on her boundary journey than I am. So I would love to have Ivy provide us some definitions for what boundaries even are. I guess I am at advanced level and someday I will battle the final boss of boundary setting. I'm not sure what that is yet, but I guess I'll see if that's an achievement I can unlock. First and foremost, that defining boundaries. The best way that I can think to really describe this a little better actually comes from my dear friend Major. I'm sure he just said this casually in passing, but it made a big impact on me. We were talking about boundaries. He said, 
boundaries are just teaching people how you want to be treated. It is pretty simple. That, that really is it. You're just teaching people how you wish to be treated. But that does not necessarily mean that it isn't hard. Some of us really struggle with it. I've struggled with it for a huge portion of my life. I've gotten much better. I am at, at a more advanced level of it now, but it is still difficult. So let's start talking about why it might be difficult for some of us to set boundaries. I could definitely chime in on this since I am lower on that journey. I'm still on easy mode and struggling to make the simple jumps here. So <laughs> I love this definition and that's why I asked Ivy to provide that because I think so many of us view boundaries as harsh or rude or difficult or aggressive, especially those of us that are female in this culture. It's difficult for us to set boundaries to some degree because we don't really have a clear understanding of what they are. They are about giving other people the opportunity to interact with us and giving them the opportunity to have a healthy relationship with us because we're directly providing them the information they need to interact with us, which as being an autistic person, I love that. Yes, give me information. I want to know how to act in this situation. And so just that piece of knowing that, oh, I'm just helping write the rule book. I'm just helping you give information you need in this social situation. That helps me a lot because I'm like, well, that's just nice. That's just considerate. That's just respectful. And so I think it is difficult for many of us to set boundaries because we misinterpret what boundaries are. Also, though, some of us do know what boundaries are, and it's still difficult because boundaries are, like Ivy said, something difficult to enact. And I think one of those reasons is fear of rejection or abandonment. Because when you do set a boundary, when you do say to somebody, I would prefer to be treated like this, not like that, oftentimes we're saying that because the person has been treating us in a way we have not wanted to be treated. And so we're saying to them, I do not want what you are providing me. And that opens up the door for rejection or abandonment. What if this person leaves me? What if this person takes it personally? And if you're someone like me, another, another big reason that you have, find it difficult to set boundaries you're a people pleaser. You're a conflict avoider. You grew up in that traumatic environment and you honestly believe that if people are not happy, somebody's going to die because that has been your past. And so you do everything you can to please people. And that includes being a doormat and not setting boundaries because you on some level believe that other people's emotions and other people's wants and desires and needs are more important and more vital than your own. And that right there goes into another reason why it can be really difficult to set boundaries is low self-esteem. If you are somebody that believes that other people's needs and desires and wants are a lot more important than your own, it's going to be really hard for you to set those boundaries. If you feel like you don't deserve to be treated in the ways that you want to be treated, if you feel like other people should be able to treat you however they want, that's going to make it really difficult for you to have the umph, the chutzpah, as my mom would say, to set those boundaries for yourself and to require other people to treat you in the ways that you want to be treated. One of the things that I really struggled with for a long time with setting boundaries was being indecisive. I knew that you should set boundaries. I knew that there were healthy, good ways that you should have people treat you or should require them to treat you. 
but I was really indecisive about what my boundaries were going to be on a personal level. I was really indecisive about what hills I was willing to die on, which lines in the sand I was willing to draw. It took me a while to figure out what was important enough for me to even set boundaries about things like my personal space. I got a big personal space bubble, but it was kind of an iffy thing for me about whether or not that was something that I felt strongly enough about to set boundaries with people over. Because a lot of people do like touch and a lot of people are huggers or they want to shake your hand or whatever. Humans have a thing for touch that I do not apparently have. But I felt very indecisive about that for a while because I'm like, am I just making kind of like too big of a deal of it? And that was another thing that I really struggled with in setting boundaries was always questioning myself about whether I was being unreasonable. This was probably the biggest issue that I have had in the past and still have with setting boundaries is that I am constantly questioning whether I am overreacting or being too sensitive or being unreasonable in my expectations of other people. And that slows me down a lot in boundary setting because that process for me of deciding whether or not I'm being reasonable or overreacting, that may take anywhere from a few hours to a few months. Another big struggle that a lot of us run into as well is that we just have limited resources. We've talked before on the podcast about that idea of we just have so many fucks to give and sometimes you run out of them. That's very true when it comes to boundaries. We only have so much time, so much energy, so much emotional wherewithal to deal with life. And if you're like me at all and you have difficulty with social interaction, anyways. And then you combine that with having difficulty interacting with humans because of that trauma background. Just having a regular normal conversation with anybody can be so energy consuming. It can take so much from you. And then you add on to the idea of now I'm also trying to educate somebody about how to treat me and having to know how I want to be treated and how it's reasonable to be treated and whether or not I'm going too far, it's not far enough. It is a lot. It is a lot of energy that can go into boundary setting. I mean, sometimes, yes, it's very clear that obviously, no, this is not okay. You cannot do this. But a lot of other times, boundaries are a lot more subtle. And if you're not good at subtle and you're not good at interactions, it can be very difficult because you just don't have the time or the energy or the resources to deal with that right now because you're doing so much else just to try to keep functioning. One of the other biggest struggles in all honesty is many of us, we just don't know how. Boundary setting does go into that social interaction piece and that is a huge thing I just don't have. I don't know the rules of social interaction. I don't know how to do this. And here's the thing though, Our social interactions, even for our neurotypical people, even for our normative healthy individuals, are not set up for boundaries. Those those interactions are often set up for people to be walked on, for people to be doormats. And so when you do have to go and set that boundary, you are defying your social script and you're rewriting that social script. And that's a great idea, yes, because we want a newer, healthier social script, both for us and the other people and the world and the generations to come. But how do you rewrite the script? One thing to say, yes, I would like a healthier world. I'd like a healthier relationship. But how? A lot of us, like I said at the beginning, we're not even clear on what boundaries even are. Many of us have never really set boundaries before. Or depending on how you grew up or the relationships you've been in, you've never even been allowed to have or consider having boundaries at all. And you don't even understand the process. 
because it is a process. It is an interaction. It's not just something you can do in your head and go check mark. Yay. Now I know how to do this. It's an interactive thing with another human being in a relationship. And that's that's so difficult. It's important for you to know why is it difficult for you to set boundaries? And that's why we started out the episode here is because you don't want to work on what you don't need to work on. Like I said, we only have so much energy. And so if low self-esteem is not your issue, you don't want to waste time putting effort into that. So if maybe you're, you're great with your self-esteem, but you just don't know the process, well, then that's what you need to put effort into. And so the very first step in my mind of really knowing how to set boundaries in that assertive healthy way is knowing why is it difficult for you? What are the problems? What do you need to overcome? What do you need to work on so that you can make those boundaries happen? Once you start to realize that, and once you start to work on those things, the next piece of setting those boundaries is identifying what you hope to gain or accomplish in setting those boundaries. Because boundaries can provide a lot of benefits. Some of them we want, some of them we need, some of them are meaningless to us. But you need to figure out what you want to gain by setting the boundary. Otherwise, you're not going to know how to rewrite that script because you don't have a goal. You don't have an endpoint in mind. Big one for a lot of people is respect. Who doesn't want to be respected? I, I don't know a single person out there who's like, you know what I would really love today? I would love it if I got out of bed and I went out into the world and everybody disrespected me and just treated me like shit. That would be awesome. I don't think that's something any of us want. Everybody wants to feel respected. As an example of this in my own life, a lot of my relationships, my romantic relationships that I had earlier on were with men who were much older than me and they were very set in their ways. And they had very clear ideas of how they thought everything worked. And I tend for whatever reason to be drawn to people who are atheist. And I am not atheist. I'm not a particularly religious person, but I do have what I would consider spiritual beliefs. One of the things that I ran into a lot in my earlier relationships was the men that I would date would constantly invalidate my belief systems. That's stupid. There's no God. Why would you believe that? That's dumb. I thought you were smarter than that. That was something that came up in almost every single relationship I had for years and years and years. I wasn't asking them to believe in the same things that I, that I did. I wasn't trying to convert them. I didn't care what they believed. I respected their belief system, but they didn't respect mine. And for a long time, I just let that be the status quo. And it took a long time for me to realize how much that got under my skin. Now that's a deal breaker for me because it feels very disrespectful to me when somebody comes in and they take something that you consider to be a fundamental part of who you are and how you view life and the world and says, no, that's stupid and you're dumb for believing that. That's really disrespectful, especially from somebody who's claiming that they love and care about you. I think respect is a really big thing that can apply in a lot of different ways, but that's been one of the prominent ones that's come up as a pattern and a theme in my life. The biggest theme I would say for me and what I hope to accomplish from boundaries is probably safety. Everything always comes back to safety for me. This is my core wound. This is my core issue. I will beat the drum of safety until I die. And maybe in the next dozen lives, I don't know. Knowing what to expect from other human beings in a relationship is very vital to me and feeling safe. Because when I go into situations, I don't know how people are going to act. I don't know what to expect. I then feel like I have to be hypervigilant. I have to be on. I get anxious. I get panicky. When I am able to be in a relationship where I can set boundaries, I am able to feel 
safer. And so that's one of the big things I hope to accomplish out of the boundaries. Another wonderful thing that comes from boundaries as well that ties right into that is you end up successfully budgeting your resources. We only have so many resources. And while it does take a lot of energy initially for many of us to set those boundaries, it's like developing a self-care routine. When you first start out, yes, it takes time and you have to put an effort and you're rescheduling and it's trippy and you don't like it and it's causing issues. But eventually you get that self-care routine in place and it is part of your routine. And then all of a sudden the rest of life becomes just a little easier because you're not having to fight certain battles you had to fight before because you're better prepared to deal with things. That's another big thing that boundaries can provide us is it allows us to reserve our resources because we set up those lines in the sand. Like Ivy said, we set up those expectations. We set up those scripts. And once they're in place, it does make life easier. Another thing that you can get out of boundaries, and this is one I've also sought as well, is the idea of validation. Because when you say, I am setting this boundary, you're saying, I am worth setting this boundary for. And then that comes back to you of going, hey, I'm worth setting boundaries for. <laughs> when you do set that boundary and that boundary gets validated by others, you say, wow, maybe I was worth setting it for. And that maybe goes away and then you realize you are worth setting it for, which I think also ties directly into that sense of worth or that sense of self-esteem that some of us struggle with. When you set that boundary and other people respect that boundary or you just put that effort into that boundary, you start to believe you're worth the boundary, that your emotions should be validated, that your needs should be respected and appreciated. And once you start believing that, you're better able to validate yourself and you're better able to believe in yourself. Another really awesome thing that you gain from setting boundaries is that you do have healthier relationships with other people. And I know if if you are a people pleaser and you're not used to setting boundaries, that may sound real counterintuitive because if you're setting boundaries, then there's that risk that the other person is going to be upset about it and they're not going to want to adhere to that boundary. And now there's going to be conflict and that's scary. I totally get that because I had a hard time with setting boundaries early on in my life for those very reasons. But what I also noticed was that by having that attitude, I actually was doing serious damage to relationships that could have been good. If I had been setting boundaries and the person that I was with was adhering to those boundaries and we were coming from a place of mutual respect and understanding, we may have been able to work through things. We may have been able to avoid resentment that built up over time by me feeling disrespected and feeling like they didn't care about me. The problem was is that I was too afraid to open my mouth. What I have learned over the years is that healthy relationships do require boundary setting on both sides. And here's what I mean by that. So in my relationship that I currently have with Calvin, we are actually pretty decent at this together. And we've been building on it and we're getting better and better at it over time. Couples will always have things that they butt heads over because each person is an individual and they have their own beliefs about how things should be and they have their own ideas about how they want to live their life and how they want to be treated and eventually you're going to butt heads. How boundaries help in this is that it goes back to what we're talking about with the definition of boundaries. You are just teaching the other person how you want to be treated. 
that's it. So you put out those boundaries there and you figure out, okay, where can we meet in the middle? And you work towards a compromise. But if neither person knows the other person's comfort zone, they won't know when they're overstepping, when they're doing damage, when they're causing harm, when they're hurting feelings. They don't know because you don't tell them and you can't expect people to read your mind. Setting boundaries is an integral part of having a healthy relationship not because you're being aggressive or confrontational. That's not what it is. You're just teaching the other person what you want and what you need from the relationship and what you want and what you need from how they're treating you. And that's how you can start working towards the middle and finding compromises and making sure that both people are getting what it is that they want and what they need. But if you don't ever say it, they won't ever know. And that's why boundaries are so important and so vital to healthy relationships. That ties into another great benefit that can come from boundaries, which is the ability to advocate for yourself. At its very base, that's really what boundaries are. You are advocating for yourself and you're saying, this is what I need and this is what I want. And you're helping other people figure that out. But especially in our society, which has very little tolerance for difference in so many ways, this is especially vital. A great example of this is the pronouns. We see so much in our social media about pronouns right now. People hate it. People are for it. People are against it. But I'm all for it because I believe you have the right to decide how you want to be referred to. There's a lot of people out there with that gender fluidity or that are transgendered that are pushing back and are saying, you know what, this is how I want to be perceived. This is how I want to be treated. And they are advocating for themselves in that way. I'm also beginning to see this more with a lot of people that have differences, mental health differences or physical differences that are saying, no, you don't get the right to define how I am treated. You see this really big in the autistic community where they are pushing back and they're saying, you know what? I'm not responsible for making eye contact with you. That may make you comfortable, but it makes me extremely uncomfortable. And I'm not going to compromise myself all the time just to make you happy. And they're starting to advocate for themselves. And I think that's awesome. And that's an excellent thing that you can gain from setting those boundaries is you advocate for yourself and by doing so, you can help get your needs met. Interestingly, though, sometimes we actually end up setting boundaries not to meet our own needs, but to meet the needs of others. So a really good example of this in my mind is individuals that I see out there and they're setting up good boundaries and they're setting up healthy boundaries, but they're not necessarily doing it because they wanted to or they had that inner desire, but they're doing it to be a good example for somebody they love, especially parents with kids. They may have been a people pleaser all their life, but now they're a parent and they go, holy shit, my kid is watching me. I am a role model. I don't want this life for them. And so they step up and they start setting those boundaries because they want their kid to have a good example. And in some cases, we even set boundaries, as odd as it may seem, to appease other people. And that's not necessarily bad at all, though, because essentially boundaries do help us get our needs met. So even if you're setting it for somebody else, at least it's getting set. One of the most common examples I've seen of setting boundaries to appease somebody else often comes up in relationships where maybe you have a difficult relationship with your parent, but you're just used to being invalidated or you're used to being talked over or you're used to being disrespected, but all of a sudden you're with a partner that loves you and says, I hate the way they treat you. I hate the way they talk to you. I wish you would stand up to them. And you start 
setting those boundaries to make your partner happy. But even when you're setting those boundaries to make somebody else happy or to be a good example for somebody else, if you're doing it healthily and assertively, you're still setting those boundaries and you're still getting what you need from that. And the last thing here, as far as things that you hope to gain or or accomplish in setting boundaries, one of the things that's really important in some relationships is having a degree of separation or objectivity. One of the perfect examples of that is a therapeutic relationship with your therapist. They are there to guide you through the therapeutic process. They're not your friend. They're not supposed to be. That's not what they're there for. That relationship is not a two-way street. Those boundaries are important. Having boundaries with coworkers and acquaintances can be really important. I've worked in some places where my coworkers share entirely too much information about their personal lives with everybody. And it ends up creating some hostility sometimes or jealousy or drama, things like that at work. There's a time and a place for certain topics. And I do tend to be an oversharer. That's something I doubt I will ever break the habit of, but I am much more careful now in certain settings. Those boundaries are really important to maintain and they're important to have. So everybody is on the same page and everybody is in a space that is appropriate for the setting. So now that we have learned why we're having difficulty setting boundaries and we've been able to do that work to address that. And we know why we are setting boundaries. So we know what we hope to accomplish. It's still not yet time to set boundaries because boundaries are, after all, a skill. They're just like anything else. You're going to need to practice that skill before you are successful at it. But because boundaries can be so vitally important to our psychological health or even concretely directly to our physical safety and our ability to continue living, it's important to provide yourself the best opportunity to be able to practice this. And so one of the steps you want to do before practicing those boundaries is learning to buy time or create space to give yourself some options, to give yourself a little breathing room. Just because you have the knowledge of how to set boundaries, just because you know why you're doing them, doesn't mean you're going to do it perfectly. And it's going to be so much harder under pressure when you're stuck in that situation and somebody's staring at you, waiting for you to respond with that answer. Combine that also with the fact that these behaviors, for many of us, these people-pleasing behaviors, this willingness to just give over to whatever people want and to not set boundaries, are neural pathways for us. They're going to be the automatic route we want to go down. So you've got to give yourself that pause in order to break away from that route and to provide yourself time to create a new route to rewrite that script in real time. And so one of the very first things you can do is don't respond immediately. A lot of us think that everything needs an immediate response. I am horrible about this. If I get an email at work, I think I need to respond immediately. And I have fucked up so many things by doing that. Unless it's a crisis situation, most times you do not have to respond immediately. You can give yourself a few minutes, a few hours, even a day to do that. But what about if somebody's talking? You can't just 
walk away from the interaction. Well, technically you could. My boyfriend's done that before where he just is like, and I don't know, so I'm out. So that is an option, though it does lead to some social awkwardness. I will I will say that. But you can't ask for time. You just be like, I, I'm not sure yet. Can I, can I think about this for a day? Or I need a few minutes. Or even create something if you need and say, oh, I've got to run and do something real quick. Or I've got to go take this call. Or, oh, I forgot I was doing that. To escape the situation so that you can get the time you need to break out of that rut and to think about what you're going to say so that you can rewrite that script and start setting that boundary. I've actually discovered that most of the time, if you just tell people, hey, I need a few minutes to think about that, or can you give me a day? Most people are willing to give you some space to do whatever it is you need to do to give them an answer. Even if that's kind of intimidating to try, I would urge you to try it because I have definitely found that as intimidating as it is to ask for time, a lot of people actually will give you the time. Or another thing that you can try, whether this is truth or a lie, you can tell them that you have to check with somebody else. I have done this many a times before. Sometimes it has been true and other times I'm like, yeah, it's not really true, but you know, whatever. I got to check with Calvin before I agree to that. That is another good way to buy yourself some time. Another thing that you can do is ask for more details. Don't agree to do anything without having more details about what's going into it. Ask for more information. If somebody asks you to help them move, don't just be like, yeah, sure, I can do that. Where are they? Where are they moving to? How much of your day is going to be eaten up by that? What things are you moving? Is it furniture? Is it boxes? Get more details before you agree to anything because it's important to give yourself enough information for you to make an informed decision. This is important because if you just agree to help them move and you don't know anything and you get there expecting to just help them move a couple boxes for a couple hours and it ends up taking your whole day and you're moving heavy furniture that maybe you shouldn't be moving because you have back issues, things like that, or they're moving to a different town that's an hour and a half away and you weren't intending on that much of a time commitment, you're going to be so much more stressed out. You're going to be so resentful of that person and all the time and energy that you've had to put into it that you were not expecting. It is really important to get more details and more information so that you can make an informed decision about what you are and are not willing to participate in. Another thing that you can also do is set conditions or time restrictions. So let's use that example of helping somebody move again. If somebody asks to help them move and you know they're moving all the way across town, and you don't want to be that involved in it, you can say, you know, I can help you for a couple of hours in the morning. I've done that for people before where I don't want to help them move all fucking day. I don't have the energy for that or I got other stuff going on. But yeah, I got a couple hours I could help you out and I'll help them pack all of their stuff into the truck. And then I'm like, okay, I, I got to go. And then they are, make arrangements to have somebody else help them unpack when they get to their destination. That's totally acceptable too. And that's a way that you can also find a middle ground with yourself if you're somebody that does struggle with setting boundaries, because you're not just flat out saying no. You're saying, okay, I see what it is that you need or what it is that you're wanting. I can do this. I can't do that, but I can do this. And that's an easier way for you to ease in to the process of setting boundaries with other people. One thing that I would also say, do not say no unless you actually mean no. 
And the reason why this is important, is, and it's a mistake a lot of people make with setting boundaries or setting ultimatums, is it's empty. And if you say no, and then you go back on that later, what you've just taught that person, because remember, we're teaching other people how we want to be treated. We're teaching people what we will and will not accept in terms of behavior from others. When you go back on that and you say no initially, and then later you're like, okay, fine, I can do that. All you've taught them is that if they push you hard enough, they'll eventually get what they want from you. Never say no unless you feel very confident that you can stick to that answer. Because otherwise, people will just learn, "Hmm, well, I I know they said no, but I'll ask them another five times. By the fifth time, they'll definitely say yes. That's all you've done. That's a really important component of basic behaviorism and psychology as well. Because another thing you can potentially teach people when you give them that empty no and you later go back on it is to automatically come at you with escalated behavior. One of the things they talk about often with kids, and again, this is you know, the armchair perspective, because I don't have them, but having worked with them in in the psychology field, if you say no to a child and they start throwing a temper tantrum, do not wait 5, 10, 20, 30 minutes and then give in. Because what you've taught them is that if they get to screaming, crying, throwing feces level, and you say yes, well, then I need to throw feces to say yes. And so next time when you're like, no, I don't think that's a good idea, it's not necessarily going to be a short escalation. It's going to go straight to throwing feces because that's what you've taught them. This is how you get the answer. Yes. You keep pestering me. You make it life or death. You get in my face. Whatever it is that makes you switch around, you've just taught them that that's what they need to do. So yeah, it's empty and they're not going to respect it and they're going to keep coming at you. But depending on who that person is and what your relationship with them is, you may have also taught them that in order to get that yes, they need to come at you with escalated behavior. And that's going to make things so much worse. Now, the next piece of setting boundaries, we've already talked about knowing what you want to achieve out of the boundaries, but now we need to know our specific goals for how we will be treated, because essentially that's what boundaries are. Like we've said before, this is how I want to be treated. And you need to let people know that. But in order to let people know that, you need to know that. This is an important part of setting boundaries that we don't really go into is we're just like, oh, well, you just set the boundary. What is the boundary? What what are you setting? What are you asking for in this situation? You need to know how you want to be treated. What is okay to you and what is not okay to you? Because if you don't have the information, you can't communicate it to somebody else. Going back to the example that I used earlier in the episode about how I was really indecisive with boundary setting and uncertain of if I was being reasonable or overreacting and things like that. One of the the moves that I made when it came to my personal space boundaries and being able to set those is establishing for myself, regardless of whether I was being reasonable or not. And is this a big enough deal to me that I really don't want people to touch me? And I had to come to the conclusion that, yes, it was a pretty big deal to me. It was something that that I needed to set boundaries on. So then I started thinking about, okay, so what would be okay versus not okay. And I will use the example of huggers because I work in an industry with a lot of very touchy-feely people, as you might imagine from a bunch of massage therapists. What is okay 
is if somebody asks if they can touch me, they ask if they can hug me, if they ask if they can rub my shoulders, that's okay. They asked. That gives me an option. That gives me a choice. What is not okay is for somebody to just come up and hug me without any regard for whether or not that makes me comfortable or uncomfortable. For me, that's the line between okay and not okay. And that's how I decide how I want to draw that line for other people. And if somebody comes at me with the open arms ready for a hug, I have learned to get into a space where I kind of take a step back and I put my hands up and I, it's nothing personal. I just am touch aversive and I, I really don't like hugging. I'm not comfortable with that. And that is how I'm teaching the other person that, oh, oh, maybe I should check with people first. Instead of just randomly hugging people, maybe I should ask them if that's okay with them. Again, we're going back to that teaching other people how you want to be treated. But you have to know where your line is first. You have to know what is and is not okay for you so that you can establish that framework for other people to go by. It's really important also to know specifically and concretely what you're hoping for from the other person. So a lot of us come at this with abstract ideas. I want them to respect me. Respect is a really squishy concept. What does that look like? Does that mean I want them to show up on time when they say they're going to meet me? Does that say I want them to not use vulgar language with me? Does that say I want them to return my calls when I make them? What does respect look like for you? You need to be able to have concrete ideas because essentially what you're asking for here are behavioral changes from the other person. And so you need to identify what behaviors need to change. So think about this if you have a dog and you are trying to train the dog. You can't just go and say, well, I want my dog to be good. You be good, dog. The dog can't do anything with that. There's nothing the dog can respond to. They don't know what you want from them. And it's the same way with humans. We think that we all speak the same language, but what respect means to you may not be what respect means to the other person. And so you need to go in and say, well, I would like my dog to not pull on the leash. And so you can teach them how to do that. It's the same way with humans. I feel disrespected when you fail to return my call. So you're asking them to return your call within a certain time frame. And again, that's another piece of it. It's being very specific when they don't return your call immediately in two days, in two weeks, when is an acceptable time frame? Because again, what's acceptable to you may not be acceptable to them. If Ivy calls me and I don't answer and I don't call her back within probably an hour or two, she's probably going to freak out because she knows that's what I would do. However, if I call Ivy and she doesn't call me back for maybe a day or two, I'm not going to be very concerned because that's what Ivy does. We have very different concepts of when is an appropriate time to return a call. And her and I have come to a compromise about that. But that's because we've openly talked about this and we openly understand what that means. So it's important to be specific and to be concrete because you are trying to provide the other person a template on what you want. And if you're not providing concrete information, how are they supposed to know what to do? How are they supposed to know how to respect you, even if they really want 
want to, even if they want to follow that boundary, even if they want to support you, you're not providing them enough information. That goes back to what I was talking about earlier in the episode about how boundaries are really important in developing healthy relationships. And yes, I talked about that more in the context of romantic relationships, but that applies to any type of relationship. We are not mind readers. We have to talk about things. We have to put things out there. We have to set those standards and let other people know what our expectations are. And maybe you won't get everything that you want. Chances are you won't get everything that you want, but it's a starting place. People need a framework. We all need a framework to understand how the other person wants to be treated. Even if we think that we are just so good at reading people and we just intuitively know what other people want, wouldn't it be better just to know for sure? Wouldn't it be better to just ask or just to be direct with people about what it is that we're needing or what we're wanting? It's such an important foundation for creating good, healthy relationships and relationship dynamics. So once you have established your goals for how you want to be treated, you've decided this is okay and this is not okay, and you've come up with very specific concrete requests for behavioral changes from other people, you want to check in and make sure that these goals, these requests are going to meet the needs you identified earlier. So we talked toward the beginning of the episode about what do you hope to gain from setting the boundary? And so, for example, if you wanted to be respected, does the person returning your call within two hours actually help you feel respected? Does it help you meet that sense of self-worth? Like you feel like you're worth something because they called you back. If that's why you needed to set the boundary, does the behavioral change request you're making help you meet that need? Because sometimes we start going off sideways and we think, oh, well, I think this will help me feel wanted or desired or loved. And it really doesn't. And you're like, yeah, it doesn't really matter if they call back in two hours. I need them to call back immediately. I need them to answer. And so you need to make sure whatever you're asking from the other person is actually going to meet those needs that you identified that you're trying to meet by creating that boundary. Now, before we get into the nitty gritty of actually, you know, how do I set the boundaries? I want to talk about one other thing. And this is setting realistic expectations. I feel like in the psychological world, in the self-help world, we get this idea of just boundaries are pretty and wonderful and you'll set them and everything's going to be roses and unicorns and rainbows. That is not the case. Boundaries are difficult. But if we go into it with this idea that everything's going to be perfect and we actually start getting into setting boundaries, it's dirty work, it's hard work, it's difficult work, and we're going to be really disillusioned, and you may feel compelled to give up on it, or like you're not good at it. And so to make it easier, before you jump into this boundary setting, set some realistic expectations with yourself. One of the most important, I think, and the most important realistic expectations to set is that this almost definitely will feel very uncomfortable for you. If this has been something that you have struggled with and it's something you're trying to actively work on and you're new to it, it's going to feel really uncomfortable. They paint it out to be so empowering to set boundaries 
And maybe you'll be lucky and you will. You'll feel empowered right out of the gate. My experience has been that's not how it works. Most of us initially feel very uncomfortable setting boundaries. It's scary to set these boundaries. There's a lot of doubting yourself. There's a lot of feeling guilty that goes into it. It took me a very long time to feel empowered by setting boundaries. It took me a very long time to even feel comfortable or confident about setting boundaries because initially in the very beginning, I was very conflict avoidant. I was terrified of setting boundaries. I was terrified of the potential ramifications and repercussions and what that would look like and what conflicts it might cause and whether the other person was going to be mad at me. And I would get all up in my head and I'd get super stressed out. Even getting past that hurdle was really hard. Getting the words to come out of my mouth was hard. When I first started setting boundaries, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say it to the person's face. I had to write letters to people because if I could sit down and I could write it out and I could hand it to them and step away, I could set that boundary, but I couldn't look them in the eye and do it. It's a process and it feels very uncomfortable at first. And there's going to be varied responses because some people deal with it really well and they're totally on board. And some other people, they may try to guilt trip you. Some other people may be offended. There's a whole gamut of responses that can come from it. And that uncertainty can make you feel even more uncomfortable and it can really make you doubt yourself. And if you are somebody that is a people pleaser, or you do have a low self-esteem, and this is something that I dealt with a lot very early on when I started setting boundaries, is I would set that boundary. And then I would immediately feel like the biggest asshole in the world. I would feel so guilty for asking for anything from another person, for setting any kind of standards for how I wanted to be treated. It's not comfortable. And for most of us in the beginning, it is not fun and it takes time. It's a lengthy process that you go through internally. And then there's a lot that goes into actually executing those boundaries out into the real world. Like me, maybe you won't be able to say it directly to somebody's face. Maybe you'll have to do it in a text at first. Maybe you'll have to come in a little bit sideways and over time you become more assertive. They talk about boundaries as though it's just something that you jump into and you'll immediately feel good about it. But for most of us, if we've struggled with setting boundaries, that's not how we're going to feel about it right out of the gate. It's going to be hard for us. One of the, the next things was setting those realistic expectations. And I kind of mentioned this before with the varied responses that you can get from people is you have to temper your expectations of how other people will respond to you. Don't get into the space where you're super panicky and assuming the absolute worst. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that you have to prepare yourself for any possibility. Some people will be so totally on board with it because they'll recognize that you're not coming from a negative space. You're not trying to control them. You're not being mean. You're just saying, hey, this is what I really need. Because they care about you, they'll want to give that to you. Other people will be so used to things being a certain way. They'll be used to you giving in. They'll be used to being able to control you. They'll give you a lot of pushback or they'll try to manipulate you. Some people, they just won't care that you have boundaries. They're going to be like, yeah, well, that's a personal problem. I don't really give a fuck. 
That happens a lot in workplace environments. And some people will pretend like you never set a boundary at all. They will just go on about life as though you never said anything, as though you never did anything, as though nothing changed on either side, because it's easier for them to just not acknowledge the boundary that you tried to set than it is for them to come to terms with the fact that you set a boundary and now that requires something out of them. You never know how people are going to respond. You have to prepare yourself for any of those possibilities so that internally you're ready for whatever happens. Again, I'm not saying to catastrophize and be convinced that the absolute worst is going to happen every time, but definitely prepare yourself internally for any possible reaction from the other people. It's also important to remember that even when somebody wants to be supportive of that boundary and is totally okay with that boundary, in intimate relationships, you are essentially doing relationship work by setting that boundary. And so you may have other issues that come up when that boundary gets set. Great example of this is for the longest time, I didn't know that Ivy was touch aversive. She never communicated this to me. She was stiff when I hugged her, but so was grandma. To me, that was just how some people were when you hugged them. And so when she let me know that she wasn't a hugger, I felt bad because I'm a hugger. And so I was always hugging her and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And there was some tears shed and there was some guilt. And I, I needed reassurance that I hadn't upset her by forcing hugs on her without her consent before. And so I needed to get reassurance, even though this was her boundary and her setting up a way that she needed to be treated. I wanted to respect that, but I had emotional issues that came up with that that she then also had to address because this is a relational thing. And it also comes up too that sometimes people want to respect those boundaries and they don't have enough information. And so especially for people like me, I'm a questioner. I really need to know how things work. And so I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. And unfortunately, for whatever reason, a lot of neurotypical people think that when you ask questions, you're questioning them. And I'm like, no, I need to know, like, what are the rules here? What's happening? And so sometimes that person will question back and they'll be like, well, is this okay or is that not okay? And they're not necessarily trying to undermine you. They may just be trying to gather information about what's okay and what's not okay because it's a new situation for them. You are rewriting the script. And even though they may be okay with reading this new script, they may not yet understand what it's all about. Another thing that gets overlooked a lot when we start talking about boundaries is there's this idea that boundaries are a one-way street, that I'm just going to set the boundary and everybody should fucking respect it because it's my boundary. Like Ivy said, that's not always going to happen. And additionally, that's not always what you want. Sometimes negotiation with boundaries is appropriate. Okay, so even in a workplace environment, if you say, well, I can never work a Tuesday and Tuesday happens to be the busiest day your workplace has, that may not be something they can do, but they might be able to do early off on Tuesday or every other Tuesday off. This is even more important in intimate relationships because when it comes to intimate relationships, boundaries are negotiation between two people. If you really love and respect that other person, you want them to be happy and hopefully they love and respect you and they want you to be happy, which means y'all have to talk about how to make each other happy, how to make your boundaries work together. It is really important here with this point to take into consideration what type of relationship it is that you have. Because when it comes to my dynamic with Calvin, I'm not just going to be like, well, this is my boundary and 
we're going to live by my rules. I'm not going to do that. He's my romantic partner. We're building a life together. I want him to feel respected as well. So we have to establish what my boundaries are, what his boundaries are, and how we can meet in the middle on things that we have a difficult time agreeing on. In other relationships, I'm not going to do that. Like with my father? Nope. I don't even want him in my life. So I don't really care what his boundaries are because... I don't want him in my life at all. So my boundary there is stay away from me. And I'm not trying to negotiate. I'm not willing to compromise. That is my boundary. And I am not close to him. And I don't really give a fuck what he wants. So you do have to take into consideration what type of relationship it is that you're dealing with here, how invested you are in that relationship, how much you care about that person and how much that person actually cares about you if they're willing to compromise in an intimate relationship so that you can meet in the middle and both people can feel as though that their boundaries are being respected within reason. Now, another thing that you need to do when you're setting those realistic expectations is to take the ideal that you have in your mind and look at that as your eventual goal, but keep your perspective reasonable for where you are at right now. So you have this ideal of how you want to be in setting boundaries, but you're not there yet. So expecting that ideal from yourself right away is only going to lead to disillusionment and disappointment. So an example of this in my own life is that I am so envious of the powerful women in my life who are very direct, they're very assertive, they say exactly what they have on their mind, they let you know what their boundaries are, and now you gotta deal with it. I am not there yet. With most people, I'm not there yet. Some people I can set that really rigid boundary with because I don't have any investment in them whatsoever. But if it is somebody that I have an investment in for any reason at all, a lot of times I still soft pedal my boundaries. Yes, I am capable of setting the boundary, but there's also a lot of I messages and well, I need this because of this. And I just wanted to let you know, and you know, we can work on this together. And like, I, I soft pedal it. I probably talk too much. I probably give too much into it that I don't need to. I could just be more direct. I could just be more assertive. I am not there yet. If I care about the person, I'm going to soft pedal those boundaries. And if I don't care about the person, I'm not really going to be what I consider to be assertive. I end up being more aggressive and very rigid. So you have to take where you are at and have reasonable expectations of where you are in your journey. Keep that ideal of what you want to be able to do. Keep that fresh in your mind so you know what you're working toward, but don't expect impossible things from yourself right out of the gate. Don't expect that you're automatically going to be able to be that ideal because this is a new skill that you're developing. And most of the time when we are learning a new skill, especially if it's something we have no frame of reference for that isn't remotely like anything we've ever done before, we're going to have a learning curve. We're not going to be great at it at first. It takes practice. Be reasonable in what you're expecting from yourself. Because we're not going to be great at it at first, and because boundaries differ based on the relationship, the nature of the relationship, and how that person has treated you in the history of that relationship, it's also very important to know... What is not the line in the sand, but the line in stone? What is a no-go? What is a deal breaker? So what will you absolutely not deal with no matter what? And this is going to be person-specific and relationship-specific because how you interact with your employer is not going to be how you interact with your intimate partner. 
So when you go into this and you're trying to compromise and you're trying to work with the other person, you know what line you're not willing to pass. So you don't give more ground than you really wanted to give. You know beforehand saying, okay, this is what is absolutely not okay for me. And I think with that comes as well, how many times are you willing to deal with it? So there are some deal breakers that is a once and done and you did this and I'm out. A good example I hear often is if this person ever hits me in the relationship, I'm done. And that is a valid one because that comes into safety and it comes into abuse and it comes into all sorts of psychological histories. And yes, if that person hits you and you walk out the door, that is a very valid deal breaker boundary to have. Not all situations are that extreme though. So sometimes you need to figure out, okay, how many times will I allow for this to happen before it's too much? And this is not going back and saying, well, I said no, and now it's okay. It's still not okay, but we're allowing for the other person to be human. In non-safety situations, when things aren't life or death or physical psychological harm situations, once and done is usually unreasonable because behavioral changes take time. Just like it takes time for us to learn how to set these boundaries, it takes time for the other person to learn how to make these behavioral changes as well because how they interact with us is a neural pathway. How our dynamic dynamic together is, is a neural pathway. And both of us are trying very hard. Our brains are trying very hard to pull us back to this homeostasis of dynamic that is the balance we expect. And so we're both fighting to learn this new script. And that just, that takes time. An excellent example that I've seen in my own life of this is I had a friend who was transgender. They transitioned from male to female. And the mother was super supportive. And she was like, yes, you know, I, I totally want to be there for you. But she had spent over 30 years calling the child her son, calling him him, calling him by the name that she had given him at birth. And so she would still make mistakes and refer to her as male or refer to her as the male name. And it wasn't that she was undermining. It just, it takes time to learn this. And it also takes time to figure out what is okay and what is not okay. And so an example of that is she went to the doctor and the doctor was asking about her children, you know, how many do you have? What's their gender? And she's like, okay, but I want to be supportive and say, you know, that I have a, a, a daughter now because she is a daughter and she's presenting as female and that's what I want to support. But I also understand that the doctor wants to know because of genetic history and things like ovarian cancer and the likelihoods of those occurring. And so do I say that I have a son? Do I not? How do I term this? And so it wasn't that she was trying to undermine or be not supportive behind the child's back. It was just that the mother wasn't sure what the rules were or how to do this yet and was learning to overcome those past habits of interaction, those past habits of words. And I think that happens in so many situations with boundaries is even when the person is trying, they are learning too. They are changing too and change does not happen overnight. So it's important to establish how many times are you okay with this person messing up? And how do you establish whether or not you know the person's actually trying versus just blowing you off? Okay, so we've talked a lot about the pre-work of setting boundaries. Now let's actually get into the nitty gritty of setting boundaries, just the very basic guidelines. And we tried to simplify these way, way down. You could write novels and many, many books have been written about this, but this is the absolute most simplified, concise way we could find to communicate it. So one, remain calm. Two, make clear statements that focus on concrete behavior. Three, keep it simple. Four, do not continue to debate, 
you may need to be a broken record. Five, stand firm so you don't send mixed messages. All right, now let's go back and look at each of these points bit by bit. So the very first one, remain calm. When you start getting emotionally escalated, you're not going to be able to think logically. And this is going to make it very difficult for you to be assertive and to be healthy and to communicate that boundary clearly. It's also going to leave a lot of room for you to be emotionally manipulated. So it's really important to remain calm. But with that, the likelihood is we are going to get escalated. This is going to make us nervous. We are going to feel uncomfortable or guilty or unsafe because of all of our issues. Because if we were great at asserting boundaries, we probably wouldn't need to be talking about how to assert boundaries. So the likelihood it's going to make you uncomfortable, which may mean you get emotionally escalated. You get shaky or panicky or anxious or sad or angry or any number of things. So what's really important with this one, I feel, is knowing when you need to remove yourself from the situation. So there's a certain point for a lot of us that deal with mental health struggles, we can deal with a certain amount of escalation. We can know, okay, like, all right, I can still function here. This is okay. And that's what's important to know in this this be calm, remain calm area. How calm do you need to be? When do you need to remove yourself? When do you need to put a pause in and say, look, I need some time. I've got to come back to this how calm do you need to be? Because ideally, you want to be as calm as possible when setting these boundaries. And along with that, it's important to have an escape plan. If you do need to remove yourself from the situation, try to figure out in advance how you're going to do that. Or try to, if you can, at least try to go into the situation somewhat more on your own terms. I talked about this a little bit earlier on about how when I had first started setting boundaries, I couldn't look the person in the eyes. Like I had to write it down and just give it to them and then go into another room. I couldn't do it face to face right away. Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe for you setting boundaries initially, you'll know that if you have to do it face to face, you're going to get too escalated. You're going to get too emotional. You'll be too likely to back down. You're going to be too fearful. You may want to try to set up the situation in such a way that you will be capable of setting those boundaries. Maybe that's through email. Maybe that's via text. Maybe it's over the phone. Maybe it's writing them a letter. Try to do what you can to set yourself up for success by trying to create a situation that will be as comfortable for you as possible. But if you cannot do that, because you may not always be able to do that, figure out how you're going to get out of the situation. And you may have to set a boundary before setting the boundary. You may, if you find yourself getting escalated, say, hey, I, I just need to take a minute. I need to take a step back. You may have to leave. You may need to hang up the phone. You may need to draw that line in the sand of, I cannot do this right now. I need a moment to breathe. Let's look at the second step then. Make clear statements that focus on concrete behavior. We talked earlier about the importance of being very clear because they need to know what you're expecting from them. Saying, I need you to respect me, that doesn't really mean anything. That gives them nothing specifically to do. That doesn't identify why you feel disrespected. So you really want to focus on that behavior, the need to have that call returned, the need to not have vulgar language used, whatever it is, you want to make those clear statements. Now, we talked a little bit also about how sometimes boundaries can be negotiations, but it's a really fine line between negotiation 
and just asking permission or telling them to set the boundary and you not setting it yourself. I do feel like this is a, a, a beginner's mistake that a lot of people make because it is uncomfortable to set those boundaries and you do doubt yourself and it can be really hard to just be clear and concise and competent enough to just say, this is what I want. This is what I need from you. So what happens a lot of times, especially in those more intimate relationships where you do have an investment in that person and you have an investment in their happiness is that you may say, this is what I want. Is that okay? Okay, now you have asked for permission to set that boundary. Now you've taken any power out of your own hands and you're saying, well, this is what I want, but what you want is actually more important. That's the message that it sends to them. Because if you're saying, yeah, this is what I want. Is that okay with you? Would you mind doing that? Now you've left it entirely up to them whether or not they want to, because they may think, "Mm, no, I'm not really okay with that. So I'm just not going to do it. Ideally, that would not happen in a relationship that is intimate where both people have an equal investment in each other. But it might. In some situations, it might because you're not being really clear about it. They may think that, well, I guess it's not that that big of a deal to you because you're asking me if I'm okay with doing that. Don't ask for permission to set those boundaries. Just tell them what it is that you're wanting. You'll find some way to meet in the middle. If it becomes an issue where you're butting heads, it's not about you asking them to do it. It's about you saying, this is what I actually need. How can we come to an agreement? How can we find a middle ground where both of us feel okay with this, where both of us feel like we're still being respected, where both of us feel safe, or whatever that is for you that you're hoping to gain from setting that boundary. Don't be wishy-washy about it. And don't just say, well, you know, this is the problem that I'm having. I don't like the way that you're talking to me. Now, now you, you figure out, you figure out, you, you tell me where the line is going to be. I just, I just know I don't like the way that you're talking to me. I feel very disrespected by you. And now you figure it out. Where, where is the line going to be? Because inevitably they won't know where the line, where the line is supposed to be because they can't read your mind. And then they may try, they may make an actual effort to meet you in the middle. And yet you'll still end up being resentful and disappointed because you weren't actually part of that process. So you're not asking permission to set a boundary and you're not saying, okay, well, this is bothering me. You figure it out. And then expecting them to read your mind and then being mad at them when they don't. Be really clear about what it is that you want and focus in on the behavioral changes you would like to see. And then if you have to negotiate, that is a process. You both come to the negotiating table and you work at it back and forth until you find a scenario that works for both of you. This is something that I've dealt with in my relationship with Calvin and I've talked about it in other episodes of the podcast, his time management, where in the past he would be sometimes three hours late getting home and he just wouldn't tell me what was going on at all. And then I would be mad at him and then he would get mad at me for being mad at him. And it went back and forth like that for a while until we started started actually negotiating with each other. And it started with me setting the boundary that I need something more from you. If you're going to be late getting home, I need to know you're going to be late getting home so that I won't worry about you. And so that I don't feel like you've just completely disrespected me in my time. That's what I need. I need you to let me know that you're running late and I need some kind of estimate for how late you are running. And that didn't initially work for him either. And we had to keep working at it until we found something that was a reasonable compromise for us both. But I didn't go into it saying, you know, I, I'm really bothered by the fact that you're three hours late getting home. Do, do you do you think you could just like stop that? Would that be okay? 
And I didn't just say, hey, I'm pissed at you. You're fucking late. Figure out how to do better and just leave the ball in his court. No, I, I told him exactly what it is that I wanted from him. And he told me what it was that he wanted from me. And at first that did not work. And we've had to continually work at it over time until we have found a solution that is reasonable and workable for us both. This is part of why step three is also very important, the idea of keeping it simple. And part of that is because too much information, especially in an intimate relationship, will sidetrack everything. So if Ivy comes into that conversation with, when you're late, I get traumatized back to here. And this is a 30-hour therapy session of her talking about that that touches into this other thing she gets triggered by. And now all of a sudden they're dealing with her past trauma and 17 other behaviors she's having issue with in the relationship. And that just makes everything really unclear. So when you have a very specific boundary you need to set. You want to keep it simple and you want to limit how much information you're dragging into the situation. Now, keep in mind, that doesn't mean you don't ever deal with that. There is time for relationship work where Ivy does discuss all of her past history of trauma and how it ties in and the very various ways that she's being triggered. There are times for those discussions. But when you're setting a boundary, it's not necessarily time for that emotionally laden, complex, multi-layered, multifaceted discussion. It's time for something fairly simple about this specific issue. Also, if this is a more removed relationship or the person that you are in an intimate relationship tends to be manipulative or tries to get out of things, too much information will leave room for manipulation, for them to try to change it and alter it and paint you as the crazy person. If this was a work situation, for example, and you did need every Tuesday off, you don't necessarily have to go into the whole why, wherefore, and where's of of it. Because when you do, then the boss may come back, well, with maybe you don't need Tuesday off. Maybe you need to look at better time management, or you should probably get your kid into psychological care. And this isn't about Tuesdays off. This is about you being a poor parent. That's where things start getting too big and the employer can push back or the acquaintance or the boyfriend or the girlfriend or whoever it is can push back and start using all of that information to derail the situation off of the boundary. When you are setting a boundary, you're going in with a very specific idea in mind. So you do want to keep it simple so that you can't A, get sidetracked and B, you're not providing the other person ammunition or confusion that can derail the situation into something completely different and you never get the boundary set. And that's where it goes into that step number four, don't continue to debate. So sometimes you know exactly what the boundary is, and this isn't a negotiation. This is a, my child is going in for chemotherapy every Tuesday and I need it off, and it's not debatable of whether or not I'm going to be here. This is it. And so you don't debate any further. And what happens then is you become a broken record. You don't continue to provide information. You don't continue to explain. You just continue to say again and again, I need every Tuesday off. I need every Tuesday off. I have to have every Tuesday off. I will need to be off work every Tuesday. And you keep repeating that same boundary. Another time that I, I see this need to be a broken record come up, I have a I have a friend who has a very interesting relationship with their mom. And their mom is very good at getting what she wants in most situations. 
She's one of those people that just pretends like you didn't say anything. She just goes on about things as though you never said anything at all. And most of the time, that's an effective tactic for her. Uh, but this friend of mine is gotten very good at playing the broken record role because she'll try to get them to come over and do something for her. And like, yeah, I, I love you, mom, but I, I can't do that today. I have to work. Okay, but you can come over after work. That's fine. You can come over after work. I still need you to come over and do this thing. No, mom, I'm sorry. I can't do that. I'm working until this time and then I need to get home. But you can make time. You can make time to come over. I know you can. You'll find a way. So be over here at seven. No, mom, I'm, I'm not going to do that today. I can come a different day, but I'm not coming today. And sometimes it does not lead to her understanding that they're not coming over that day. And there are times when she gets upset that they did not come over that day. But that's how they handle that situation with her now. And eventually <laughs> she, she has started to not be quite so pushy and not get quite so angry when they don't come over because they have, are now setting the precedent. And you have to, it, sometimes you have to do it for a while before people can adapt, especially when people are stuck in their way of thinking about things and they're stuck in a behavioral pattern that has worked for them with other people, or maybe it's just worked with you in the past. And now you're rewiring your neural pathways to handle things differently, which is forcing them into a position where they have to rewire the way that they're interacting with you. It can take time. That's why you have to be a broken record sometimes. Keep it simple, keep it concise, and just say the same things over and over. The other person may not like it. They may want to pretend like you didn't say anything, but ultimately at the end of the day, you're still establishing your boundary. That last step is standing firm. And that kind of goes along with that broken record thing, but this applies in other ways. Stand firm. Once you set that boundary, do not send mixed signals. So again, be clear, be concise, be repetitive if you have to be, but also do not apologize for having boundaries. It is not wrong for you to want to feel safe, to want to feel respected, to want validation. Whatever your reason is for having those boundaries, it's not wrong. And you are deserving of those boundaries. You deserve to be treated in the ways that you want to be treated and to have other people respect you. You deserve that. So do not apologize for having boundaries. You may not get it perfect as far as executing those boundaries. That's fine. You're learning. You're working on it. But do not apologize for having them. This was a mistake I made a lot early on when I was setting boundaries is I would set those boundaries and then I would feel like I was being unreasonable and I would feel guilty and I'd be like, look, I know I'm asking a lot from you and I'm, I'm really sorry that I'm so difficult to live with and I'm sorry that I'm so difficult to get along with. And I would apologize for having those boundaries. And I look back at that now and I'm like, God damn, girl, what was wrong with you? There's nothing wrong with having boundaries. Everybody should have standards for how they want to be treated. Everybody should have that. So don't apologize. Also, do not waffle. Do not be wishy-washy about it. Don't set those boundaries and then pull at me and be like, oh, I was being unreasonable. Let me go back and like, you know, adjust that and be like, yeah, you know, ne never mind. It's fine. I was wrong. You were right. Don't, don't do that. Don't, don't be wishy-washy. Do not waffle on it. Don't go back and give in later. Once you set that boundary, stay firm in that. Even if you're doubting yourself, which you probably will. Even if you're feeling guilty, which you might, don't give up on that boundary. It was important enough for you that you thought about it and that you took the initiative and you had the courage to put that boundary out there. So don't go back on it now. 
So all of this is, of course, easier said than done, because like we said before, setting boundaries can be difficult. We're almost to the point we can start setting boundaries. We know why we're setting them. We've overcome the stuff that's keeping us from setting them. We've set our goals for setting them. We even know the basics now. Now we need to practice. So if you know what you want to say, practice by yourself. You can say it out loud. How many times do you think about that conversation and you're like, oh, I could have said this or I should have said that? I will say this. I will say that. Have the conversation beforehand. Practice out the phrases you're going to say. Take it a step further and try practicing with a picture of the person or maybe even just another living thing like your dog. If you're having trouble with a particular boundary you want to set with everybody, sit there and talk to your dog. It it, it may seem ridiculous. Your dog's going to love it because your dog's getting attention, but it gives you a chance to say these things out loud because these are new phrases. These are new ideas. These are new thinking patterns. And the more you can start drilling them into your neural pathways, the more likely you're going to be able to use them when you need them. Another way to practice, which I really advocate, and I know so many people hate it and they groan, is role playing. If you have somebody that you can pretend with, role play. This is an absolutely new behavior. Why not make it easier? Why would you want to set yourself up with the hardest way possible of doing this under pressure in a real situation when you could pretend and practice first? Consider role playing like practicing before a big event. So maybe you play the piano, right? Would the first time you want to play the piano be at the piano recital in front of everybody? Or would you prefer to practice at home first and actually learn how to play and learn how to play the specific piece of music you want to play in front of people? Or do you want to have never touched a piano and go out into the recital and figure it out then? That's how I see role playing. It is practice. It is behind the scenes effort. And it may seem ridiculous, but overcome it and do it because it's going to make that situation more familiar. So when you tell the person, I need you to call me back. I need you to be home on time. I won't go and do this for you. I cannot help you move. Whatever that boundary is, it's going to be uncomfortable. Like Ivy said, it's going to get stuck in your throat. So try role playing so that when you do actually get to that person, it's not the first time you've said it. It's not the first time you've had to choke those words out. You're actually familiar with them. And those pathways are starting to be laid in your brain. So it's easier to get into that groove when that situation comes along. I would say the next step here in practicing is practice buying time. We talked about that earlier in the episode, the importance of buying yourself some time and giving yourself some space so that you are not making decisions under pressure so that you can come at this from a very calm space, from a very centered space. Practice buying yourself some time. So here are some ways that you can do that. One of them is to have a script, have some pre-scripted responses for how you can buy yourself some time. That can be very simple things. Hey, I need to check with my boyfriend before I can give you an answer about that. Hey, I need a couple days to sort out my schedule before I can give you a response to that. Hey, I need a few minutes. I'm doing some, I'm in the middle of something right now. Give me a few minutes and I'll get right back to you. Having some scripted responses that you can rehearse to yourself 
is a great way to just practice buying some time. Another way to practice buying some time, and this is something that I that I did in the beginning and that I still sometimes have to do, especially with work, because I am self-employed, I feel a tremendous amount of pressure to respond to any text or phone call from a client right away. The problem with that is that one, I feel the pressure, but two, I am more likely to agree to things that actually I'm not okay with. So there are certain days of the week that I really try not to work, that I try to reserve for spending time with Calvin or doing other things. And if I immediately respond to a text or a phone call asking if I can work, do you know, do an appointment for that person on that day that I was really planning on taking off, I will more than likely in that moment agree to it without thinking and then I will regret it later. So one of the things that I have really focused on doing is practicing not responding right away, giving myself some time. Usually I at least give myself a couple of hours to respond. If they text me, especially late in the day, like six, seven o'clock, like, mm, I'm going to wait and I will, I will text them back first thing in the morning because that gives me actual time to think about it and to decide whether or not I'm comfortable with that, whether that actually works for me. And it also gives me a chance to prepare myself to maybe negotiate for a different day that would work better for both of us instead of just that gut response of, yeah, I can do that. No problem. So that's another way to practice buying time for yourself is get used to that level of discomfort because it's a relatively I think for most people anyway, a relatively low level of discomfort that doesn't really affect the other person that much. Most people are actually more patient than we we actually believe that they are. So practice that, just not responding right away. In addition to practice buying time, it's also important to practice that very first step as well, that keeping calm. So like I said, we're most likely going to get escalated to some degree See if you can start finding ways to bring yourself down in the interaction and also have ways to bring yourself down even if you have to leave the interaction. And what this really boils down to is knowing calming strategies and calming coping skills that work for you. I hope that if you are on your mental health journey, you have found ways to calm yourself down. If not, I strongly encourage you to find ways to bring yourself back to calm, just period, but before you start getting into boundary setting. Because like I said, you're likely going to get escalated. You're going to need to find ways to calm down. And if you don't have those, you have that potential to keep escalating until you reach that off the rail, shit fest, tantrum, whatever that looks like for you. And you don't want that to happen. Common things out there, just to throw a few at you, uh, safe places where you imagine yourself in a place that's safe, that nobody can get you, that protective bubble of energy around you, breathing exercises, counting to 10, or like we said before, even just escaping the situation, running away to the bathroom. That's what you got to do. It's what you got to do. Find some ways to know how to calm yourself down and make sure you practice those regularly. Again, this is just great self-care for a mental health journey, period. But this is definitely going to help when you go into that boundary setting. And then for those next tips, start thinking about those phrases you will use. Come up with actual 
phrases you will use. We're actually going to put a boundaries handout on our resource page for this episode that has some examples of exact phrases you can use when setting boundaries. You're going to have to adjust them and fill in the blanks for your particular situation. They may not work exactly, but they're going to give you some ideas of what to say or how to say it. And because you might end up having to be that broken record, think really hard on those phrases you're going to repeat. Get down to that very narrow, what is it that I need? Do I need every Tuesday off? Then I need every Tuesday off. And if that is my very core basic need, find phrases that I can use to express that again and again and again and again. Maybe make them slightly different. Maybe make it the exact same. That's dependent on you and the situation. But practice the actual phrases. Write them out. Speak them out. Role play them out. Tell them to your dog. But start practicing those phrases that you're going to use and start practicing that repetition because there's a good chance you're going to have to be redundant. You're going to have to be that broken record and it's going to feel uncomfortable because it's not scripted. It goes against everything we know about social scripts. You're not supposed to just say the same thing again and again. You're not advancing the conversation. But that's the point. You're not advancing the conversation because they're trying to advance it away from your boundary and you're trying to keep it where it is. You've dug your heels on. This is the hill you die on. So be ready to plant that flag of repetition. All right. Another thing to practice is practice following through on your word. Start pretty simple with this. Keep it an easy thing that you can actually work with. So let's say somebody invites you to an event and you say, oh, no, thank you. Or no, I have something else going on that day. Don't go home and then ruinate on it and feel guilty that you said no and then go back and be like, ah, you know, no, nah, it's a, I'll be there. I'll find a way to make it work. No, just if you say no to an invitation, just stick with that. Just leave it be because most people, they'll invite you once you say no, they're like, okay. And then they go on about their business. For the most part, this is an easy one that you can practice following through with your word on. Starting simple is important for practicing following through with your word. And it's important for the very idea of boundary setting. So once you've done all this practicing, you've got the phrases in hand, you've role played them out, you've practiced repeating them, you know how you're going to calm yourself down. Now we're going to start those boundary settings. And we want to start simple. You want to start with things that don't matter. Like Ivy said, saying no to that invitation and sticking with it. You want to find things where there's not a whole lot of investment on either side. It's not that you're saying no to your absolute best friend for 30 years baby shower. You're just saying no to the random going out after work that you got invited to by a coworker that you didn't even know. You're looking for something without a lot of investment that you can just start practicing these boundaries at low levels. And if needed, even start practicing with just saying no at all, because I know that's a big, huge, difficult thing for a lot of people. So if you have difficult saying no at all, start practicing there. Start that with the most simple, tiny boundary you can think of. Sometimes he offers you some candy. Hey, you want a snack? Hey, you want a cookie? You want an M&M? No, thank you. Just practice saying that. I know it seems ridiculous, but there are a lot of us out there that are so afraid of hurting other people's feelings, that are so afraid of putting up boundaries, that even saying no to a simple offer like that can be panic-inducing. 
Another thing that you can practice on that usually does not have a whole lot of investment on either side, especially in today's day and age where most people don't like talking on the phone, is let people know that, hey, I don't generally answer phone calls. Could you send me a text instead? That would be a lot easier. You'll get in touch with me a lot faster. This was actually something that I included in my voicemail. So when people call me and it goes to my voicemail, inevitably, because I don't answer my phone, there's something there that says, if you want to get in touch with me, the fastest way to get in touch with me is by text. Most people don't have a huge investment in actually talking on the phone. And once you say, hey, could you text me instead? Or hey, could you email me instead? A lot of people are willing to do that. Next thing is set simple boundaries. Set boundaries that are easy to identify and easy to ask for. The example that I used much earlier in the episode, I've become quite comfortable with asking people to to not hug me. That took a little while for me to get to that, but that's a relatively simple one. It's a simple line, simple correlation. I don't like to be touched. Being touched makes me feel unsafe. This is important to me. Hey, I I can see that, that you are a hugger. I'm just not really comfortable with that. That's a relatively simple thing to ask for. And most people will not take offense to that. Most people actually do understand personal space boundaries once you let them know that that's an important thing for you. Another great way to get started on boundary setting and starting simple is start by setting boundaries with people who you know are on your side, they're in your corner, they're super supportive, and they are willing and ready to respect your boundaries. They want to know how you want to be treated and they want to treat you that way. They want to respect you and love you. Start with those people. Don't start with the super difficult people. That is not necessarily setting yourself up for failure, but it's definitely setting yourself up for a whole lot more stress than you want right out of the gate. Autumn mentioned earlier in the episode that she didn't know for a long time that I was touch aversive. Autumn was one of the first people that I told, hey, I'm I'm actually really not comfortable hugging. She was one of the first people I told. Why? Because I knew she loved me and I knew that she respected me and she would want me to feel comfortable. I knew that I could tell her that I felt safe with her. And she felt safe with me having that discussion where she felt guilty and we went back and forth about it. We have a close relationship. It was not the end of the world to have that conversation. It was uncomfortable for both of us, but it was not the end of the world. So when you first start setting boundaries, start by setting the boundaries with the people who love and respect you most, the people that you know that you can trust and who are definitely in your corner. And after you have set that boundary, follow up with yourself first and foremost. And I really want to push this point because I think it's very, very important when you're dealing with difficult people. Make sure after you set that boundary that you are safe, that you are in a safe place or that you are safe from that other person because some people do get angry. Some people do get offended. Some people may even get violent. If you find yourself in a domestic abuse kind of situation and you're trying to keep yourself safe and that's part of why you're setting boundaries, make sure that you have some place safe to go, that you make sure that you can keep yourself safe, that you have a plan in place. And this can also apply with people that you barely even know. A perfect example of this for me, when I first moved to Seattle, I didn't know anybody here. I didn't have any support network. I was trying to get to know people and I was just getting into the dating scene. I met this guy online and I was like, okay, let's go on a date. And I did 
everything I could think of that was right. I let people know where I was going to be and the name of the person I was going out with. I tried to give details to the important people in my life. I insisted on meeting in a public space. I insisted on taking separate cars. I insisted on them not knowing where it was that I lived. I was just doing all of those things right. I went on that date and over the course of the date, I recognized this guy is really aggressive and he's really pushy. And at the end of the date, he kept trying to insist on giving me a ride back to my car. Because one of the other things I did was I parked in a different part of Seattle so that when we parted ways, he would not see where my car was and what type of car I was getting into and he wouldn't have the ability to follow me. He got really pushy about insisting he give me a ride to my car. And I kept saying, no, I was making a broken record. Nope, I'm, I'm really not comfortable with that. I'm fine. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm just going to walk back to my car. It's not that far. I'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'm really not comfortable getting in a car with with somebody that I don't really know. Eventually he did give up, but even after we parted ways, man, I did not feel safe at first. I felt very uncomfortable because I was not entirely convinced that he was not following me. So I was trying to do everything that I could to keep myself safe. I was staying under streetlights. I didn't go into any dark areas. I was constantly looking over my shoulder. I I was staying aware of my surroundings until I got back to my car. I got into my car. I immediately locked it and I immediately started it and I immediately left. And even after that, I kept an eye on other traffic around me to make sure that I was not being followed. Sometimes that's what is involved in that. And making sure that you are safe when you are setting a boundary with a difficult person or aggressive or pushy person is so important. Number one is your safety. So make sure that you have a plan in place so that you will know that you are going to be safe and you can escape a potentially dangerous situation. It's also important after you do that boundary setting to give yourself time to de-escalate after that interaction. Give yourself a few minutes to just breathe, to be like, okay, check in with yourself, to de-escalate if needed, to calm yourself down if needed. This can even be a few minutes in a bathroom. So if you set that boundary, you go to the bathroom. Or like Ivy said before, she would write that letter, give it to them and walk into the other room. If this is a relationship where you don't see each other every day, maybe you do the boundary discussion and then you provide a few days of space so you don't have to jump back into it. But you want to make sure that you're taking care of yourself. You're following through with that self-care so you're not stressing yourself out further during what's already a stressful situation. So allow yourself time to de-escalate after that interaction. For a lot of us, when we start boundary setting, it may also be particularly important for us to reality check that scenario, maybe with our own heads or maybe with a sounding board, somebody else that we call up and say, hey, I just set this boundary. I feel like I'm being unreasonable. I feel so guilty. Can you walk through this with me? Like we said earlier, you're likely going to doubt yourself. You're going to feel unreasonable. You're going to feel guilty. You're going to maybe feel unsafe. You're going to feel so many things that's going to make you feel, oh my God, I'm doing wrong. And that's partially because you're departing from what you've always done before. You're challenging those unhealthy things in you that your mind and your body are trying to keep you in because they think they're normal or society are trying to keep you in because they think it's normal. You're challenging that. So there's going to be discomfort. There's going to be doubt. And so it's okay to 
to reach out and reality check with somebody. Now, you don't want to ruminate on this. You don't want to nitpick it and like, oh, God, I did that wrong. And oh, I should have done this. And for the next four days, you're just you can't think about anything else. You don't want that. It is okay though, to reach out for that validation from the other person saying, you know, it made me so, so uncomfortable, but my boss always wants to give me a hug when he sees me. And today I said, you know, I'm not really a toucher. I don't want to do that anymore. And I felt so bad about it. I know he said it was okay, but... And allow the other person to run through that or allow yourself to run through that and say, you know what, there are other people that are touch aversive. It's okay to have that boundary, especially with my boss. I don't know him. Why am I touching him? And it's also good to look back at these things, to look for ways to improve, to allow yourself to practice the improvement if needed. So if every day your boss does give you a hug and you finally said, okay, I can't deal with this. I don't like being touched. And he came in to hug you and you're like, no, 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 don't hug me. And you freaked out (laughs) and you just were like, oh God. That was, I was an idiot. That doesn't mean you have to go back on the boundary at all. It does mean that maybe you go in and say, okay, I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to set boundaries. I really am touch aversive. I'm not comfortable hugging. So I'm not going to be hugging moving forward with you. It's okay to go back in and say that. And it's okay to look back and go, oh God, I flubbed that. But you don't focus on it. You say, okay, but you know what? I didn't get hugged today. I set a boundary. Good for me. I may have flubbed that. I may have been a little bit eccentric looking, but I set that boundary. And now I know how to improve in the future. Now I know how to practice doing this differently. And definitely do give yourself room to be proud of yourself. Because even if you did flub it and you're like, oh my God, don't touch me. And you freaked out a little bit. You did set the boundary. You did accomplish it. And now you've got room for improvement to move forward. And you know it can only get better from there. And the boundary set. You did it. You overcame that hurdle. You changed your neural pathways. You challenged the script. You rewrote the script. You got your needs met. Fucking go, girl. Fucking go, boy. Go. Yeah, that's awesome. Give yourself time and space to be proud of yourself and acknowledge what you've done. Along with that, it's also really important to validate for yourself that you did the right thing. Even if you didn't do it perfectly, even if you did flub it up, even if you feel like an idiot and you're doubting yourself, validate that you did the right thing in advocating for yourself, in setting that boundary at all. Because you may not be perfect in that execution, that's totally fine. Any imperfection that may have been there, any mistakes that you made, that does not invalidate the necessity of that boundary. So validate that setting the boundary at all was the right thing to do. This mattered to you. It mattered enough to you that you had the courage to step out of your comfort zone and say, I want something different. I need something different from this interaction. It's important to not just be proud of yourself for trying. It's also important to validate for yourself that, yes, setting this boundary was the right thing to do because this is important to me and I matter. I am valid and therefore my boundary is valid. Even if I did not do that the way that I wanted to, I will do better next time. But setting the boundary, that was right. I did good. We also want to talk today about some pitfalls to watch out for when you start setting the boundary. Because this is new, you're going to hit a few wrong notes. You're going to miss a few a few swings of the bat, however you want to analogize that. 
there's going to make a few mistakes and we do have the potential to go a little too far. So let's talk really briefly about some of those pitfalls to watch out for so that we can make sure we're not making those mistakes as deep, as big, as huge, as long. So one of the first pitfalls that often comes with boundary setting is that we expect the world to be perfect. There's this idea that I set the boundary and people respect it and golly gosh, everything is great and in technicolor again. Not everybody's going to respect your boundaries. Some people really don't give a fuck about you. Some people are out to manipulate you. Some people like you because they can walk all over you and use you. And I'll tell you this right now, while it's unfair as all get out, people in power have the social or legal right to disrespect you. That's the reality of it. If your boss decides to not give you time off, unless they are actually discriminating against you on some level that you can prove on a legal court, they have the right to do that. They have the right to not respect those boundaries. People in power, people in authority, they can challenge you like that. Even when it comes to police officers or other authority figures, judges, they have the legal right to not respect your boundaries. The world is not going to be a perfect place. You don't want to go out with those rose-tinted glasses thinking this is going to be perfect. Not because it is going to get fucked up. There's a good chance that the majority of people in your life will respect the boundary and they'll respect you and you will get psychologically healthier. But it's good to have that balanced perspective so that you're not disillusioned and you're not disappointed. Another pitfall to watch out for is being too rigid. I, I mentioned that in my fact of the day. I do tend to get rigid with boundaries. Once the boundary has been set and the agreement has been made, this is how it will be forever and ever. Amen. That's the loop that my brain gets stuck in and I have to fight that because circumstances do change and people grow and people change and things shift over time and you have to be able to shift and change with those. That's not to say that you completely go back to not having boundaries at all, but sometimes things do have to change. The agreements that I've come to with Calvin about time management, those have had to change over time and that has challenged my rigid thinking about things. Because as much as I would like things to be a certain way, Calvin is also an individual and he also has a right to have his boundaries and he also has a right to be respected and heard. And so I have to be able to continue to meet him in the middle. And sometimes that means we both have to shift some things around and come to new agreements over time as things change. But another way that Regina can pop up is harshly punishing people for their mistakes. When you do start setting those boundaries and you do get to a point where you are feeling empowered by it and you're starting to feel more confident about it and you are starting to be able to enforce those boundaries more firmly, sometimes we get to a point where we're riding so high on that that we start being a little too harsh with others, expecting perfection of them. For most things, once and done is an unreasonable expectation because it takes time to change behavior. It takes time to change our vocabulary about things. It, it takes conscious effort to enact those changes and the rules are shifting and you have to give people some flexibility and give them some room so that they can meet you halfway or that, so that they can respect that boundary 
history that you have. You have to be able to give them the opportunity to win instead of setting them up for failure. As long as people are trying, that's the important thing. If you set those boundaries and they're like, yeah, I don't give a fuck. I'm going to keep doing whatever I want. Yet you have a right to be upset about that. But if you set those boundaries and then people make mistakes, but they don't really mean to, and they actually are putting in an effort, but you're so rigid in that boundary that you can't allow for accidents or unintentional mistakes, that's where it becomes a problem. We have to give people the opportunity to win. We have to be flexible enough and we have to be able to see that, you know, I see that you're making an effort. I really appreciate that you're making that effort. That goes right into another pitfall that can happen a lot of times with boundaries is we take it too far. And sometimes this comes from the fact that we've had so few boundaries and we finally set them and we start feeling empowered or we feel like we have to get aggressive instead of assertive to set boundaries. And some people, unfortunately, just manipulate the idea of boundaries, period, to get what they want. And so when we take it too far, you end up using boundaries as a way to trample other people's boundaries. You use end up using the idea of boundaries to justify control. And so it's it's important to be aware of this pitfall because sometimes instead of setting boundaries what we're really doing is we're being controlling of other people. And this is one of the reasons why it's good to do a reality check with a friend or somebody you trust or a therapist when setting boundaries to make sure you're maintaining that balance, that you're learning to be in the middle of that teeter-totter instead of just running from one end of the other to it. Ivy and I were talking about this, like, well, what's an example of, you know, a boundary versus a control? She said, well, I think it's control if I tell my boyfriend you can't have any female friends. You can't talk to any women. It's not okay. You're not allowed to have any female friends. That's control. A boundary is when I say to my boyfriend, we're in a monogamous relationship. You don't get to fuck any of your female friends. And I think that's that's kind of where the line is right there is, are you super controlling? Are you overtaking an entire chunk of their life? Or are you asking for a mutually respectable thing that will keep both of you safe and keep that relationship healthy? And so it is important to make sure you don't take it too far. It's also vital that you don't think of boundaries as a one-way street. All of us have needs that we're trying to get met. Now, the degree to which you care about those boundaries is going to change with the depth and type of relationship you have and the history of that relationship. So if you do have somebody that's been abusive with you and they have particular boundaries they want to set, maybe you don't give a fuck. Maybe that abuse and that trauma that you've incurred has cut that relationship off and you say, that's nice. I don't care. Here's my boundary. Take it or leave it. I'm done with you. And it's not much of a two-way street. But if that person's been supportive or loving, that is a two-way negotiation that you have to figure out. And so you need to think about how much of a two-way street is this relationship? How much do I value it? And if you do value it and you do want to maintain it, then you got to compromise with those. You've got to figure out what they need and what you need and make that work together. The last pitfall that we want to mention here is being negative focused. Sometimes when we set those boundaries and we're starting to enact them and we're like, yes, this is what I want. And I'm going to tell you what it is that I want and what I'm looking for. And they agree to meet you in the middle or they agree to follow that boundary. And then they fail to do it. And we focus on the negative or they make a mistake in how they do it. And we focus on the negative. 
instead of appreciating the times that they do respect the boundaries, instead of appreciating the time that appreciating the, the effort that we are seeing them make. And I have worked very hard on this with Calvin with the time management thing. I know I beat this into the ground, but it's the main problem that we have bumped into in our relationship that has caused us both the most headaches. I have really focused on appreciating the effort that he makes because he does make an effort. Part of the reason why we would fight so much about it in the beginning is because I was being negative focused and he would let me know that he was running late, but his estimate would be off on how late he was running. So he'd be like, oh, I'm running 15 minutes late, but he'd actually be running a half hour late and he would get home and I'd be so mad. because I'm like, you said 15 minutes. It's been half an hour instead of appreciating that he even let me know that he was running late at all and gave me an estimate. Because I asked him for that. He did it. He did not quite meet the estimate that he gave me, but he made an effort. But in the beginning, I was so rigid about it. As we talked about before, it was written in stone. We came to an agreement. This is how it's supposed to be forever. What are you doing? You can't do that. You have to do it exactly as we agreed to. I got rigid in my thinking and I became really negative focused. I now have put so much more emphasis on the positive And that has been so much more effective in keeping our relationship healthy. He knows how important it is to me that he lets me know when he's running late. He knows how important it is to me to have some estimate of when he's going to be home. And he knows how important it is to me that he tries to be home when he says he's going to be in the first place. And the more I have focused on the positive and the more positive reinforcement I have given him, the more he's wanted to provide that for me. Because when he comes comes home and yeah, he he may be a little later than he said he was going to be, but he gets home and I say, oh, babe, you're home. I'm so happy to see you. And you're home actually earlier than I expected that you were going to be. I thought you were going to be a lot later. I'm so happy that you're here. That was really awesome. And now he feels like he won. He now he feels as though he actually provided for me something that mattered to me. And I noticed and I appreciated his effort. Whereas if he had come home in that same instance, And I'd been like, you're five minutes later than you said you were going to be five fucking minutes. Where the fuck were you? Why are you an asshole? All I've done now is basically piss on his effort. He made an effort to meet me in the middle. Was it perfect? No, but he tried. He put in that effort. He showed me that he cared. He showed me that he was thinking of me and what mattered to me. And he was trying to do right by me. The more that you focus on the positive and you give that positive reinforcement to people that, hey, I see that you tried. And when they do get it perfect, noticing and letting them know that you noticed, hey, you totally respected my boundary right there. I really appreciate that. That means a lot to me that you remembered and you actually paid attention and you respected me. That will go so much further than pointing out every time they make a mistake, every imperfection, every flaw. So before we wrap up today, I do want to remind everybody about just some of those benefits because we don't want to end on those pitfalls and all the ways we can fuck up because we all are probably highly aware of the many ways we can fuck up. So let's really focus on some of those those positive benefits. Remember, when you set those boundaries, you are helping people know how to treat you. So you are going to have healthier, more functional relationships. You're going to get that safety or that respect. You're going to have psychological well-being and mental wellness. You're going to have to spend so much less resources. You are going to be that positive role model for those people around you that are looking to you to set that example. You're going to feel like you have most 
yourself of steam. You're going to start setting up that positive feedback loop. And in a little bit, you're going to help start repairing society because as we repair our own relationships, that moves further outward and outward and outward and outward. So I repair my relationship with my sister and she repairs those with who she loves and the people repair outward and outward and outward. And as we set these boundaries with each other, we're not just helping to create that sense of psychological health and wellness for ourselves. We're helping rewrite the script on society and what healthy relationships actually look like and how to healthily and assertively meet our needs. Because the reality is, is that boundaries are important for all of us. All of us have needs. All of us have ways we need to be treated. It's essential and important that all of us have boundaries to help us get those needs met and keep us psychologically safe. We hear a lot on social media that whole, we need to normalize this or normalize that. I think boundaries is one of those things we need to normalize. We need to normalize everybody setting boundaries and everybody being open in their communication. Again, remember, by setting boundaries, we are simply teaching other people how to treat us. That doesn't mean that we have to be arrogant about it. It doesn't mean that we're being controlling or we're being rude or cruel or aggressive. We're just teaching people how we want to be treated. We're giving them a roadmap. We're letting them know how best to navigate their interactions with us. And we're giving them the opportunity to win. We're also giving them the opportunity and the space to feel safe to teach us how they want to be treated, to help us navigate those interactions with them and give us a roadmap to their psyche and what's important to them. It's a positive thing. Setting boundaries is important and it's a beautiful thing. And it really does lead to so much more intimacy and a better understanding of other people than we would otherwise have. We are not mind readers. Most of the people in our lives that actually love us and care about us, they will want to respect those boundaries. They want to know what things hurt us so that they don't do them. If somebody actually loves you, they don't want to hurt you. They want to know how to avoid doing that. And setting those boundaries is a really important part of letting them know we should want that. We should want other people to offer that to us. And we should want to offer that to other people. It's not a confrontational thing. It's just part of communication and it's part of relationships. Now, before we close out this episode, we do want to mention that we did very heavily use a couple of resources for the episode, which we will have linked on our website for our resource page for the episode. But the two books that we pulled heavily from as a framework for the episode and also some ideas overall was The Disease to Please by Harriet B. Breaker. I think that's how it's pronounced. And also, How Can I Get Through to You by Terrence Real. So we do want to give credit where credit is due that we did pull a lot from those two books to give us some ideas and give us a basic framework for boundary setting. And like Ivy said, those will be on our resources page for this episode, as will the boundaries handout, which will give you the steps we gave you to concisely say how to set a boundary, as well as some phrases you can actually use and adapt when setting those boundaries. And if Ivy wants to throw you our connecty bits, you will know then how to access our resource page. 
you can find us at www.differentfunctional.com. And to get to our resources, click on the resources link and then click on podcast resources. And you will be able to see the page for this particular episode, as well as all of our resources for past episodes. You can also find us on Facebook as Different Functional, on Instagram and TikTok as Different underscore Functional, and on Patreon as Different Functional. If you want to email us, you can email us at differentfunctional at gmail.com. We don't have a phone number yet or a mailing address, but maybe someday we will. We would love to provide tons of ways for you to contact us. Reach out to us. We'd like to hear from you. Also, if you could do us a solid rate and review the podcast, follow us, like, tell people about us, comment, do all the things. You could get the word out about us and tell anybody and everybody who you think would enjoy the podcast or would benefit from it. We would love it if you guys could do that for us. And for all of you who are listening, we really appreciate you. Like, we really fucking appreciate it. We love that you keep coming back and you keep listening. And we would really, really, really love it if you would reach out to us directly so we'll know who you are and can thank you directly. We would love to get to know you. We would love to get to know all of our listeners. And if you happen to see one of the videos promoting this particular podcast that talks about boundaries, maybe comment on it and talk about where you are at on your particular boundary journey. Because I would love to know. I could definitely... Definitely pick up a few hints and tips here and there to enact in my own life. Now, as always, we really appreciate you and we thank you for listening. And remember, different does not mean defective.